are so proud to continue our partnership with Just Right Reader. Principals, directors, literacy leaders, curriculum queens, whoever you are, whatever your role, you know the importance of teaching reading skills with clear phonics focuses and ensuring that students have books in their hands that they can actually apply the phonics skill right away. That's right. You probably have had teachers who've gone through letters training or yep. Orton-Gillingham or other science of reading. reading trainings. And unless your students have decodable text to actually practice those skills in authentic ways, they're still not going to become the fluent readers that you want them to be. Right. When you teach them a phonics pattern like OU, you want the book that they're reading to have Repeated words with O-U in it. And guess where you can find those? www.justrightreader.com <laughs> Just Right Reader has a variety of decodables written by authors in-house to ensure that 90% of the text is actually decodable through predictable phonics patterns. The other great thing is they use a variety of modern topics yes. and the books represent all of our students and their families. It's amazing. Truly some of the best that we've ever seen. We only support products and we only advertise products that we love. So go on over to justrightreader.com, request a free sample, or Ooh. you can even talk to Sarah and her team over at Just Right Reader and tell them that the Modern Principal sent you. They will work with you and get you the perfect quote for your school or district. That's justrightreader.com. Hi, I'm Christy. And I'm Karen. And welcome to The, the Modern, Modern Principal. Principal. Our platform is geared to three different kinds of school leaders. The potential principal, the, the practicing principal, and the post principal. And that's why we created this podcast. It's short, sweet, and right to the point. Tackling a new topic sent in from our listeners each week. We look at that scenario through the lens of scholar, the research, system, sustainability measures, and soul, the heart of the matter. All the while, hopefully making you laugh and keeping it real. Thanks, Thanks for, for joining, joining us. us. Karen. Um, Karen. Karen. We're in a new studio and I just can't feel comfortable. Like we used to look at each other and now we're side be, by side. We would be so close. I we like used to do close. a closet in our my basement. But now we've added this video component. Does anyone even watch our videos? I haven't put them up. Them, yeah. okay. I am going to. This I am week, glad. I'm glad we're still so actually recording them. This week I will try to do I don't care. I do not care and I am not one to judge. All of our 2023 episodes will get it like they'll just auto pot. They'll all be there. Just so you guys know, I have reached zero of my goals for the modern principal this year. Zero? Not even one? Maybe one. I don't remember. <laughs> but I will tell you a goal I have not also reached finishing my project for graduation. Yeah, we both have this 60 page paper that was Let's likely explain. due a month ago. Oh, I think two months. February 1st. <laughs> I think February 1st. Here, let me explain this, guys. So we wrote our dissertation, and I think we crushed that. We did. Like, they basically had no follow-up, like, And the amount of hours I mean, we like, spent on that. it was good. Right. And you know sometimes when you're on a project and you just feel the flow? Like, every time yeah. I sat down to work on that, I felt it. Yeah. It was flowing. I could spend eight hours and not regret it. Then we have to write this reflection on our process. A 60-page reflection on, on the process of, of the dissertation. And there is no flow. Nope. Every time I sit down, I type like two words and then start scrolling on my phone. That's what I do too. I literally like write two sentences and I'm like, oh, that was good effort. <laughs> <laughs> Same. And then I usually start texting Christy, this damn paper. <laughs> uh, anyway, so that's what's but, been going on with me. What about you? Literally the exact same. <laughs> like all I, and I've almost been, it's so dumb because I've been making myself miserable. Like, yes. Right? Like all this, for the last two months, all I've been thinking about is this paper and that I need to it's do accurate. it. You know when and, you have something hanging over your head and nothing can feel resolved? Yeah. And that's how it's been. Same. And, and I'm 
my own worst enemy when it comes to it. So we were also talking about with graduating from our doctoral, um, how Christy bought a cap and gown. Yeah. And I've yet to do that because I can't figure it out. It's, it's so annoying. And, and usually you're, one of us usually does it and then paves the way for the other, but I don't think you felt confident in what you did. Either. I have no idea what I did. Like we have this group chat, you know, with all of our colleagues from the program and everybody's saying that they got different things. I yes. feel like everybody's getting different websites. Yes. And so finally I got to a point that it asked me to pay for something and I was like, sure, whatever. Like who knows what's going to show it. up at my house. Right. And so then we were just talking about it and Christy's sister's like, I have my high school one. And I was like, I'll take it. Take it. Like, I don't even know. Whatever. It's been a rough, it's been an interesting program. Ooh, almost done. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, and then we're going to meet all of our team peoples after we graduate. <laughs> after we graduate. After we graduate. Can you imagine if we were able to put the time that it takes to write a 60 page paper into TMP? Like yeah. We, especially because the way we are writing, we take our spurts at a time. Yeah. Multiple times a week. Yeah. Now we accomplish one page per those seven yeah. hours. But if we were putting that energy towards TMP, we would we'd be a millionaires. I'd and redo B, my bathroom. We would have like a suite of helpful resources. Oh yeah. Also helpful <laughs> to the people. I was like, I'd have new clothes. I'd have a new bathroom. Look at me. So I'm so someday self-centered. Someday. Right now we're you know working for free. Working for free. Yeah, uh, not even sure. working on our grants. And do you know that we have to do taxes for this oh company that doesn't make money? And last year we paid $700 <laughs> to get taxes done. And I told the lady, I was like, are you sure? Because we didn't make $700. And she goes, well, the government doesn't care. You still have to pay, t- like, file your taxes. Rude. <laughs> rude. It's rude. So, anyway. anyways. Here we go. Okay, so this this week on the pod, um, I don't know about where everybody who's listening is, but here in Missouri, it's hiring season, yep. and honestly, it's kind of year-round hiring season at this point, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but it's truth. It's heavy right now, and so we've got um, a scenario that says, hi, I'm a first-year principal getting ready to start hiring for a few openings in my building next year. Can you give me the basics and things I should think about from hiring in Hartford? Oh, clever little name. So, um, hiring in Hartford, you are so lucky because we have an HR expert right Ooh! here with us. Shall we not say expert, seeing as I've been in that role for six months? Well, you are pro- slightly more expertise than I was six months ago. There you go. Yeah. Hey, I'll take it. Yeah. So one of the things that we thought would be important to emphasize here is, um, well, Christy and I's dissertation is all about the impact of an administrator. Yes. Which is heavy and huge and has a huge impact. But the number one impact on student achievement is, in fact, the teacher. Classroom teacher. There's no one more important. So uh, um, one of the things, and this is something that I used to share with my staff a lot, is um, that an effective, ineffective teacher, the repercussions can actually be irrevocable. Yep. I thought it was really good for using the word irrevocable. I learned that word when I read Twilight. <laughs> Did you read Twilight? All three of them? Because I was pronouncing it irrevocable for quite a while. <laughs> and then I heard, then the movie came out. I'm pretty sure I pronounced it irrevocable. Isn't that funny what our the brain whole, pronounces? The whole way, the <laughs> whole like four book series. And then the movie came out and I heard Bella say it. Irrevocable. <laughs> Maybe she pronounced it wrong. Who knows? Anyways, so, a student that has an effective teacher for just one year will outperform their peers for the, on the future. future. And an ineffective teacher, one year of an ineffective teacher, can result in a learning gap that can take up to three years to recover. We got that from the Stanford Teaching Institute. So no I mean, pressure on hiring the right people. I mean, that's 
that's intense. That's pretty significant. Right. Um, it's a it's a big role that principals play, and they don't get a lot of training in this area. I would agree with that. Very little, um, especially when you're in a district that does give you a lot of autonomy um, mm-hmm. as a principal, where you really get to staff your entire building. Right. So, and yeah, I try to think. I didn't get very much training even in our like our specialist program. No, not really. Like talking about the process in general, mm-hmm. not really. We get a lot of training on like how to coach. Yeah. Current teachers, but if you think about like those stats about how in a an an effective teacher can really impact students moving forward. It's pretty huge. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit. You probably have um, a lot of thoughts in terms of Always. how to score like a resume or like how to schedule. Yes. One interviews. Like what do you, how do you even start? Well, here's some scholarly stuff, but the first thing we'll say, disclaimer, what's that little appendix? Asterisk. Asterisk. Appendix. <laughs> Um, first work with your own district's HR because every district has hiring policies and practices, but it's important to know the legal things, the timelines, all of those kind of things that relate to your specific state, because sometimes jobs have to be posted for a certain amount of time, depending on local policy, or you have to do a certain amount, you have to do screening interviews or whatever it is. So your district will be individualized in that area. I think it would be really difficult to be a principal in like a tiny district where maybe you didn't even have like a full HR department. And so I think that the, the idea there would just to be really consistent, talk to like work with whoever is in Mm -hmm. your district, whether that's like one other single principal or, you know, one superintendent. superintendent and you're probably already working closely together. But if this conversation hasn't come down about like a system for hiring, um, it might be time to, maybe you could broach that conversation. Yeah. So a lot of the research I found was about different systems to put in place as you're thinking about hiring and not all of these were necessarily education related, but, um, so a lot of the research I found recommends having like a scoring system for when you do paper screening. So that means looking through the cover letters, resumes. One website I found just said to grade, put them in stacks of A, B, C, mm. and D. I thought that was super easy. Super like easy. as you're looking yep. through A, B, C, D. Um, and then as you develop your questions, there's other, there's a lot of stuff on Google and different um, scholarly research that talks about the best way to do interviews and to, to scaffold your questions. What, what do you mean by scaffold that? the questions? Um, well, different ways to think about um, whether you're doing specific questions for a specific role and mm. or if you have specific questions you ask during a screener as opposed to the uh, main interview or... What I have found, well, one of the sites I found talked about doing, obviously, behavior questions. We've Mm -hmm. talked about that in a previous pod. And, yeah, so we actually have a three-part series um, of of this same topic. It's episodes 39, 40, and 41. It's like a three-part hiring. Um, So feel free to check that out. I think we go into some things in a little bit more detail. Yeah, I think we did with the hiring Mm -hmm. questions specifically. Yeah. But it talked about also, um, when you talk about behavior, do you mean student behavior? Great question, Christy. You asked that because you knew the answer. Well, I could see how it could be confusing. It is, right? So behavior just means the adult behavior. So you want to ask open-ended questions. And that's something that I didn't realize I asked leading questions as much as I did than when I started collaborating with others on writing questions. Mm. And that's been really good professional growth for me this year. I collaborate with the assistant soup on HR. What, What were some questions that maybe you would have asked that would have been considered leading? And like, how have you changed them now? Oh, that's putting me on the spot. It really is. Mm-hmm. I can, if you need think time, I can edit out your think time. Okay. 
None? I can't think on the spot. I'm back. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, okay, <laughs> pause it for a minute because I really can. So, like, let's say that you wanted to do a question about, like, science of reading. So you say, how... How does, how have you used the science of reading in your literacy block? Right. So then you think about what are the possible responses that the person could make? So is mine a leading question? A, not necessarily, but it does close the possibility of answers. Okay. So um, if someone doesn't know anything about science of reading, then they won't have a lot to stand on in terms of literacy. Got it. Which, I mean, we want someone that understands it, but also that would stop them from being able to answer the full scope of the question. Got it. It would also pigeonhole them into knowing exactly what you're looking for. Got it. So if you say something like science of reading, they're going to know exactly which components to highlight. Whereas if you did something more general, general like what would you expect um, for a teacher? It could be a question like, I give you two hours for literacy in your schedule. What are you going to include? Something like that. Got it. And then that would give you a lot more openness and a lot more opportunities for them to go different directions. Got it. I had a question. Now that you say this, I had a question in a recent interview that was about like, what is your experience with XYZ data? And it was like a very specific database and mm, like, a bit, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so they were, that was definitely leading, but you it was probably exactly. purposeful. Mm-hmm. Yep. And unfortunately I had zero experience. <laughs> so that question was short. <laughs> My response was short. I have no experience. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank Next so question. Bye. Um, some of the things that I found on research, though, um, that talked about was really making sure that you do have a bank of soft skill questions mm-hmm. that you weave in and out. Maybe you don't use them every time, but when you think about the particular position or sometimes it's like what's important. needed with that particular team or something. Or you're building, yeah. like thinking through communication styles, accepting feedback, resourcefulness, creativity, growth. Those kind of things. I've had a question that was asked of me that I loved and now I use in every interview. What assumptions do people make of you that are often wrong? Ooh, that's really good. I love it. I especially love it for internal candidates because that it gives them, is so genius. It gives them the end. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a great one. If you have like student teachers or candidates from other mm-hmm. buildings interviewing that you kind of know about, that's really good. But it was good. And it gives those internal folks an opportunity to, yeah, definitely share things that might, you know, be perceived to be common knowledge about them, but that isn't. Right. The other thing that I like to ask, um, like with student teachers, they're in a unique position where they're getting feedback daily. So I like to ask what their feedback is. And I, that's been a really good one. Um, like, so what is your mentor teacher coaching you on right now? Mm -hmm. Um, and that gives me a really clear insight as to like, it also gives them an opportunity to speak. Student teachers have a unique um, hindrance a little bit because they haven't had their own classroom. And so it right. gives them the opportunity to at least talk about some of those soft skills. Yeah. That's yeah. Sorry. I'm thinking as you're talking. Yeah. So, don't you just want to conduct interviews right now? I it's do. Fun, I also it? want my children to stop screaming outside the door that we are recording. <laughs> it could be my child too. Um, I think that was kind of it with the scholar. I mean, scholar yeah. kind of rolls into system. Um, so system wise, we can jump in there, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I do have a friend, scholarly, that this is really, like, scoring guides are really found a lot in research with hiring mm-hmm. best practices. I struggle with using them. Really? Yeah. And, um, but it's a like good another where, like, point. each question would have a point value. Yes. And then the. I could see it being helpful if you had two folks who, like, came really close to each other. Yep. And then the key would be that you've then categorized the questions under certain topics. So you get, like, an overall. Yeah. When it comes to working with students, this was their overall score. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. This was, yeah, soft skills score. This was teamwork score. Something right. like that. Yep. 
Okay. And then maybe prioritizing which of those you're really looking for yes. in your building. So. One, one thing to think about, like we've kind of talked through the interview piece, but it's important to think about the cultural impact of how you're going to like build um, the, the interview process mm-hmm. with the teammates. Mm-hmm. So what do you think about that? Like which members of your team are you going to have on it? If any, how do you think through that? This is so tricky for me mm-hmm. because you know my history. Like where Which I, is you weren't allowed to hire. Well, yeah. Like, so it was a very centralized process in the district that I was in. Uh-huh. And so unlike each year that I was principal, we kind of had like less and less input on, on hiring decisions for our building. Yep. And so we did not do any team interviews, like with actual people in the building. Sometimes a team of principals would interview somebody for like multiple openings that we had. Um, but like, I never got to lead like my staff through an interview for a new teammate. And so I think what was interesting about that is like that same philosophy was also for administrators. Like, Mm -hmm. so I, and I think I've shared this on the pod before that when I interviewed for an assistant principal role, I had to accept it without actually meeting the head principal. Like he, he wasn't in the interview. And so it was kind of like a pretty big leap of faith. Yeah. (laughs) And it's a good thing we got along. Um, but, and so I think that this is something that, I've seen it, but I have been on an interview team. And so I've seen a couple of different things. One, I think it can be really good because like you have the buy-in there. Um, I think it um, builds trust early on with whoever they choose. Um, Obviously, too, then they're excited for the person that they've hired onto their team, you know, that they've been a part of. I know I I typically would never tell teachers that you're actually making the decision. Like we're going to take your input. Yes. Ultimately. You have to be clear about that. Yeah. As the principal, I I hire and fire. Um, But then one time I will tell you this. um, I saw in a building that I was in and I um, was a member of the hiring team. There was a clear standout in terms of the applicants. Mm -hmm. And um, I saw the other teammates shying away from hiring this person. Mm -hmm. And I think it was because the applicant would have been threatening. Um, And I don't have like, Nobody says that out loud, right? Right. Right. Who's (laughs) going to say that? Right. But I think that was one thing that was really interesting. So I think you have to do a lot of prep work with teams before, especially depending on their like emotional maturity and emotional intelligence. And your job as the principal is to know what the team's looking for based on their feedback, but also based on the bigger picture. So one helpful thing is to have the team like talk before about traits or criteria Mm -hmm. And it's easy to just like create a wish list of everything, but having them like zone in on like, what do we need? What, what are the top things? What are our strengths and what would be complementary strengths to this right. team? And I think you can do this too, not just with like a third grade team or an English language arts content right. team. Like your but leadership think, team. Yeah. I think your leadership team could be a part of this because um, you're not just hiring, right? For teachers, you've got potentially you're hiring for custodians right. or paras right. or speech language pathologists. Exactly. And thinking through around like the personalities we're needing, mm-hmm. the academic strengths we're needing. Yeah. Like sometimes we, as teachers, we're all guilty of this. We want to pick the person that's going to be fun and a good team, <laughs> right? But we also need to think through like if, if someone leaving was really the rock when it came to math uh-huh. and guided our team, like mm-hmm. we're all contributing, but they were the guiding force. We might need to be thinking about that absolutely, as well as like the behavior strengths. If I'm hiring someone for my team, like I'm thinking back to when I'm a teacher and I'm the only one that's strong with behavior, that's going to be a big burden when class uh, lists come yeah. along. Right. Yep. Yep. So we need, we need to encourage our staff to think about all of those different components. It also helps be very transparent to them about like what, do I think about as a principal when I think about the best hire? But then you can use that to develop some questions that will speak to them and then some questions that maybe, like Christy was saying, 
if the team felt threatened, what other questions could have been asked that like took that piece away? Yeah, yeah. a little bit. Or mitigated it at least a little bit. Right. I will say like doing that. We've talked about this on our pod before, but we've both done Enneagram work with our staffs. Mm -hmm. And just, I think the difference pre and post Enneagram work that I would get, you know what I mean? Like pre Enneagram and like people don't really completely understand themselves or others in terms of strengths and weaknesses. And I felt like the work also increased our vulnerability. And so I, I, think that our hiring process would have been Better. much more authentic after doing that work. I think so too. Cause then you just have a common language that mm-hmm. isn't so personal. Yeah. I do think it's really important to think this through because as we're getting shorter, the, the talent pools are getting smaller, which right? is our next pod, right? <laughs> it really is. <laughs> but principals feel this urgency to rush. Um, oh, there's three candidates in there that have experience. I yep. got to bring them in and yeah. interview. But you do need to slow down and make sure because this can impact your culture in a negative way. If you're not transparent about the process, yep. if you're not intentional, you can also set yourself up from a lawsuit, says Karen from HR. If you like <laughs> don't follow the same process you've always done when you're hiring. Yep. And so it's just really important to slow down and think about the best way that you can be transparent with your staff inclusive and also get the right candidate on that side too, where you're talking about kind of like documentation and legalities, how important is it to like take notes during interviews? Yeah, it's very important, but you want to collect everybody's afterwards and then keep them for three years. Yes. And then how do you, in a safe locked cabinet, (laughs) good idea. Thank you. All right. Um, anything else on systems? Um, besides references, have a good mm-hmm. system in place for how you call references and the questions you ask. Um, there's going to be legal questions you have to ask depending on state and um, federal policy. But um, I have some favorites that I've always asked. Like, I love to ask, would you actively recruit this person if you mm-hmm. switched buildings? That's a good one. And I love to make them give me a percentage. Like, what percent are they at the top? T- top 10%, top 20 top 30 of their current staff. uh Uh-huh. When you have to like put a number to something, it kind of helps you out a little bit. Yeah. Gives you an insight. That's good. Okay. All right. Soul. What do you think about this with soul? Um, I would like to talk a little bit about like the follow-up after an interview. Mm -hmm. So you might have internal applicants for stuff. You probably have external applicants. Um, and then maybe you have people who don't get the job. Like, what does that call look like? Yeah, I think it's important to remember every day is um, an opportunity for recruitment. And you are always telling your story. So, like, if you went for a job and never heard anything, you would hate that. It's honestly the most annoying thing. Like, it's just common decency. Yeah. And I've heard so many people, like other people, too, who are like, yeah, I, I applied, never heard anything back. Or I interviewed, never heard anything back. And you can do one of two ways. Like there's sometimes that I have to leave a voicemail and I hate phone tag because phone tags usually like people are like, oh, maybe I got it. And that's why they want to talk to me. So sometimes I do just leave it on a voicemail and sometimes, and typically I'll follow that up with an email. Yeah. Just inviting them to call me if they want to talk further. But I just feel like you have to have, if if they took the time to interview with you, you owe them that. Yeah. What would you do? What do you do after you hire the teacher? Just real quick before we get it, not like onboarding necessarily, but like, um, Call, be super excited, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I would 
depending on the situation, like call and invite them. Like I was always the situation where I was like hiring people who I had not met. So <laughs> I would immediately invite them into the building to yep. meet them, give them a tour of the building um, and then connect them with their team like as yep. soon as possible. So almost always I would say, Hey, do, do you care if I start like a text message group and an email chain with Smart. all three of your teammates and just like introduce you that way? Um, obviously if they can come in, try to do that in person. Um, I always tried to buy hiring season. I tried to start having my like summer stuff scheduled Ooh, smart so that I could you could say, just tell them like I could yeah I could like follow up in an email like welcome Mark um, and say hey we have a new staff member like pickleball day where we're gonna go play nice. pickleball and have you yeah know, you were really you were really good at that you had a lot of like new staff just new staff Yes. Where you like had the new staff cohort get together. New and that's staff smart. cohort. And then I would Whole always teams. have like my mentor teachers come to those. Yeah. Um, super smart. And so just tried to build a lot of community really quickly so that they felt excited about starting work in the fall. One of the things that I always did, um, I would, I like to give all my new teachers like an exciting note on their first day. Yeah. So I would write it after the interview and just save it because that's when I was like the most fresh about what their why strengths were them. and like why I would also keep notes in there. I would always start like a staff informal yep. folder and I would keep notes on areas of strength and then what areas of growth might need to be. And that's really helpful for intentional feedback down yes, the road. That is, that is really good. The other thing that I would do is I would always make sure to um, welcome the staff member full staff. So I would actually start a slide deck for every yep. single year. Um, and it was, and I would just have the staff member send me a picture and a quick bio. And then I would add those things to the yep. slide deck. And it was literally just a slide deck of all of our new staff member. And I would just add yep. to it every time we got yep. somebody new and then send it out to the staff. I just think there's nothing worse than like the hearsay through the building. Yep. And not that there's usually a lot of drama, but there, mm -hmm. there's always situations where people are like resigning and, and not everybody totally knows why or, you know, whatever. Yep. And so just that transparency of, hey, this person is hired for this job next yep. year. Or, hey, this person is hired. They're not placed yet. Yep, but I don't welcome know them. <laughs> but please welcome them. They're going to be on our team. Right. And um, I would do the same for parents, too. Like, even yeah. if their kid was in fifth grade and I hired a first grade teacher, I just, like, the community to know who's in their school. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's just really helpful with the transparency. Girl, our pods keep getting longer and they longer. They do. We were supposed to be short, sweet, and to the point. Is our... A bite-sized bit of PD. <laughs> Unfortunately, unless you have a half-hour commute, this is not bite-sized. It is not bite-sized. But let's go ahead, Karen, tell us what is our From the Desk of the Modern Principle. I love this quote by Jim Collins. It says, people are not your important. Okay, okay. you do it, please. Please. Jim Collins says, people are not your most important asset. The right people are. Boom. Christy read it so much better. Let me try again. People are not your most. God, I can't. You can't get the right emphasis. Not your most. Okay. So, but the right people are your most important asset. We know that the pool is small right now, but that doesn't mean that you can't get the right people with good attitudes that you can grow. We're actually talking about that in the next pod. So thank you so much for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at The Modern Principle um, and follow us online at themodernprinciple.com. Bye.